Genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one sad, confused Smeagol at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 136, which starts with Gollum finishing his line from last Friday, got away, did it precious, and ends with Smeagol looking sad and a little confused after Frodo reveals he's going to destroy the ring. Smeagol has been aware this entire time that's the end goal, right? So in the in the commentary they talk about this, I've always felt like there's some kind of understanding about what's going on, but Gollum can't fully like fathom fathom that someone would destroy the ring. Mm. So they felt it was important that somewhere in the script he's confronted directly with it in this movie. That makes sense. Um, and we get his, his full reaction is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is just like, th- th- this is just the beginning of that reaction. So this, this minute contains the last stuff Andy Circus filmed for the movie. Oh. The close-ups of Gollum were apparently filmed, uh, on, on Peter Jackson's floor in, in London and then sent to animators to, to match the facial expressions too. <laughs> you, you just you just get a call from your director like months after wrapping. Um like even like the pickup stuff and he's like, hey I need you to get on the floor and just be sad. <laughs> hey, we wanna we wanna do some of these we, we wanna do some insert close ups of Gollum and get some good reaction shots for that. <laughs> That last scuffle that that we did. Andy, get on the floor. <laughs> Andy on the floor. Ready and Gollum. Like, <laughs> all right. I want you to be Gollum. Okay. Good. Good. Now you now you gotta be Smeagol. Give me give me some Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> Even in context, <laughs> that is absurd. Like, just Peter Jackson with a little hand cam. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta give me that Smeagol magic, Andy. Acting. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, okay, so Smeagol is clearly lying here, right? I think there's an amount of ambiguity. Because last week when we were talking about the very menacing um, rhyme, <laughs> yeah. the, it, at the beginning we've established that it's Smeagol, and he's clearly like taking... Um, a sick sense of pleasure out of oh. watching Frodo he's going to die. Yeah, 100%. But is it it's still totally possible that all of this is predicated on the influence of the ring? So, it's this is either a blatant falsehood on the part of Smeagol just lying to survive yeah. or uh an odd moment of of clarity when his life is in danger. So, and I, I think there's a certain amount of ambiguity to it. I don't know which I like more. Right? I, 
or which I like least, I, mm. you know? I, I think there's ambiguity to it in part because of the performance, the way it comes across. Mm. Uh, because it does it does sound so so desperate yeah. and, and reaching, but that doesn't necessarily make it false. Yeah. Because there's, you know, there's there's clarity in in danger sometimes. The like being really like anxious about something can sometimes give you or like fearful of something can sometimes give a certain kind of clarity about why you're feeling a certain way. Mm. Sometimes it varies that, you know, different people have different reactions to stuff. But right. I think that that's I don't know. There, it, It's interesting to me that it's a thing that's brought up in the script at all. Because I think it it continues to track with, uh, it, it tracks with the way the ring is portrayed across the trilogy. In what way? Uh, in that it is an active force of some kind. Oh yeah. So the idea that it it did push on Gollum and Smeagol to do this tracks with the way the ring is presented. Yeah. But it also is potentially just another layer of falsehood in Gollum and Smeagol's character. And both things work to serve the narrative. Yeah. Because, like, you know, she could do it. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, we know... So, if if Sauron was conscious of Shelob in, in Middle-earth... Because, I remember, we we looked at some stuff after we recorded stuff about Shelob. Yeah, yeah. There's this um, thing the, about Sauron viewing Shelob as, as like, like a cat. A cat, yeah. And so, purposely sending useless orcs to so, give fed to her. I love that Shelob is Sauron's barn cat. Right. It's just, just, just this feral cat. It just keeps the pests away. Yeah. Because <laughs> the only... So, in in Return of the King... No, it's in Two Towers. It's in Two Towers. Yeah, because Shelob's in Two Towers. It, Shelob's in Two Towers. So, in, in the text of Two Towers, there is just An a paragraph yeah. that's just this little aside about how Sauron feels about Shelob. And it's it's such a weirdly interesting little piece of text. It is also... Um, and weirdly humanizing of Sauron. Yes, but uh, I, I need it in front of me, though, because I feel like it is also... Um, it not It's not humanizing of Sauron, but it also speaks to his, like... Um, the nature of Sauron because he views literally everything as lesser than him. Right. Um, and like, like we were talking about last week, if Shelob is like legit, um, like a Maiar, like she would be on the same par as, right. um, Sauron. Like she, she power scales to something similar to Sauron at the very least in the universe. Yeah. That makes sense. But him referring to this other highly powerful, magical ancient being as like his pet yeah. is so condescending. Yeah. And there's we don't know how old Shelob is. Yeah. That's we have true. no idea. Shelob could Shelob can't be older than Sauron. Yeah. Because Sauron is was created at the beginning of the universe like all the other Val, right. like yeah, all yeah. the other Maiar and Valar were. Um but Shelob is almost certainly uh ancient by the reckoning of anyone else in Middle Earth. Yeah. Like it's it, it is like weirdly humanizing to Sauron to me the way that that paragraph is written. Like you, you pulled up the website that I found this on myself, and this person's perspective on it is kind of funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the paragraph is great. Do you want to like just read it because it's oh, sure. it's excellent. Um, in two towers, um, she loves Lair, um. 
As for Sauron, he knew where she lurked. It pleased him that she would dwell. She should dwell there, hungry but unabated in malice. A more sure watch upon that ancient path into his land than any other that his skill could have devised. So, like, that's respectful of her abilities, but right. also like, okay. And orcs, they were useful slaves, but he had them in plenty. If now and again Shelob caught them to stay her appetite, she was welcome. He could spare them. And sometimes, as a man may cast a dainty to his cat, his cat, he calls her, but she owns him not, Sauron would send her prisoners that he had no better uses for. She would have them, or he would have them driven into her hole and report back to him of the play that she made. Right. So, like. So they both lived, delighting in their own devices and feared no assault, nor wrath, nor any end of their wickedness. I. So, I, I think it. I this person makes a point like further down. I think this is like weirdly humanizing of Sauron because of the last the the last sentence in the paragraph before the break to that last sentence about the end of their wickedness. Oh yeah, to report he's, back. He's like on the play that she made. He's yeah. interested in the the how his cat played with her food. I don't know that that's humanizing. That's monstrous, Norman. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Hey girl, I'll send you some orcs. Tell me how they tasted. I like what? <laughs> Tell me how you killed them. Uh, <laughs> That's horrible. That is okay. That doesn't. But no. Keep... But people are like obsessed. Human beings as a whole are obsessed with like watching those predator prey documentaries and stuff. Human beings are super interested in that dynamic because I was we think gonna, it's cool. I was gonna say that this um comes off as more of like a serial killer couple relationship than like anything else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... I don't know. People, people like to watch their cats hunt. Um, I don't. I like to watch my cat play with the stuffed animals I give him, not like actual flesh and blood creatures, I mean, because I can't stomach that. Yeah. I mean. My cat ate a moth and I screamed about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up watching the cat hunt birds and squirrels outside no, in the yard. No, I, I, um... Because I always thought it was cool how patient and precise the cat was. I, I didn't grow up with cats, so... No, just, like, watching out the front window, like a little eight-year-old kid, just, just peeking at the cat, like, kind of hiding myself, because I don't want to scare the birds and stuff in the front yard either while the cat's doing her business. Right. But, no, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But I, I just think that that paragraph is so funny. His cat, his cat, he calls her. But she owns him not. <laughs> yeah. Which also speaks to like, yeah, you know cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the fact that, like, they are potentially on par, like, power-wise, but, like, he... He, A, calls her his cat, but also, like, concedes that's like, no, you don't, I'm not... I'm I'm the boss. Like right, yeah. <laughs> it's that's weird. But like the 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 admission at the beginning of that paragraph. Oh, I couldn't have built anything better to guard this place. Yeah, that's true. Nothing I could do could compare to this ancient giant magical spider. Yeah. Just let her have the damn place. She was in. So one of the things that I that I think comes up in the text of. It's either in into towers or it's in the like the Silmarillion talking about the descendant the descendants of Mongolian is that uh 
uh, Shelob and her and her brood and Ungoliant Ungol- too probably were in the mountains around Mordor before Sauron came to inhabit the place. Do you think that's why he was drawn there? Because of the... The like... evil that already had seeped into the land from yeah. Mongolian? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I don't know exactly why. I think it's just because the mountains were like notoriously difficult to cross. Oh. They're, they're very tall, sharp peaks. Not yet worn down like other parts of Middle-earth. Sauron's like house hunting. He's like, oh, did the spiders come with the place? <laughs> hey. Oh my god. So Shelob was there before him. Yeah. I don't know, man. Or at the very least, Shelob was... Shelob's mother or whatever was there before him. It's her ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is Spiderland. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Do you think when the ancient... When the, like, the ancient people of Gondor built Minas Ithil... Someone went up into those mountains. They're like, hey, there's a tunnel up here. We can see the rock face. I wonder what's up there. They're like poking around and just, you know what, guys? No one should ever go up there. <laughs> <laughs> I know we we built another tower up there. Uh, we're going to we're gonna only go there from the other side. Like, we want to get up to Kirith Ungol. We're going to go around. No one should know. <laughs> well, it wasn't called Kirith Ungol at the time, right? That's the the um, corrupted name for it. Uh, I, I think the tower was always Kirith Ungol. Oh. Really? Not like Minas something? No, because the, the only things that are named Minas are cities. It's just Minas Ithil and Minas, uh, Minas Anor, which eventually became Minas Tirith. Oh, okay. And Minas Ithil became Minas Morgul. Cool. I think Minas means tower. Yeah, that's why I was confused, because... Um... But Kirith Ungol is just a little... Like a little watchtower. It's not like a like a yeah, but it's a tower, ish, or it's a pass. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a little there's a little watchtower up there. But I don't I don't think it was I don't think it had a different name. Or if it did, I just I don't have a clue what it was. Yeah, that's fair. Because I think it was called Kirithungle because they were just aware there was a giant spider in there. Oh yeah, Kirith Ungol is Sindarin for spider's cleft. They just they just know. <laughs> There's a big freaking spider up there. <laughs> Let's on second thought, this is a silly place. <laughs> this uh this pass belongs to the spider. We're just gonna build a little watchtower up here to keep track of the other side. Right. We just we just need to know <laughs> if that spider decides to go somewhere else. We should know where it goes. Yeah, Frodo, Frodo and, and Gollum have their little fight here. This this is a very quick little scuffle in this minute. Frodo backs Frodo causes some distance between them after he he punches Gollum in the face a couple times and Gollum pleads for his life. Well, I um I wanted to talk about the um the parallel of this scuffle with the one that opens the movie. Mm-hmm. Um where we see um Smeagol kill deagle because frodo like is strangling Gollum here um and i because the ring just likes stranglings like apparently it's like strangles <laughs> um i yeah i um i like the the parallel of of it um 
and how Frodo is also like um, susceptible to, I know that he's defending himself, but it's also like really violent Um, and, and the ring delights in violence. (laughs) So I just wanted to mention that really quick. Yeah. Uh, Also, we can talk about the costuming thing. Oh yeah. Okay. That bothers me. (laughs) He starts the, he ends the last minute and starts this minute uh, with less webs on him. Then he then gains. Yeah, he like fight. accumulates. <laughs> he gets extra webs during the fight. Um, which is you know a very minor thing. If you're watching it all in one like scene, if you're watching yeah. the whole scene, like it's it's hard to notice. But like, yeah, you know, I mean, little costuming errors happen. Yeah, they get a lot to keep track of. Right, things and were especially, filmed out of order. Right, because like we talked about last week, the. The Shelob's Lair set is a completely different set than the one that they're, like, um, trying to kill each other on right now. Right. <laughs> so, and they're probably, like, days, weeks, months apart. A year, even. Yeah. So, I understand. It's just a little funny to watch. Because I... Because he should be covered, covered in them. Yeah. And then he just doesn't have... He has, like, two, maybe. And then <laughs> they're like, oh, maybe we should put a little bit more a on him. Little, a little more webbing. Yeah. Whoops. He just rolls around in it. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's no, uh, it's no exposed air canister in the back of a, a chariot and gladiator or like any other like ridiculous ones that I can think of. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, like, like a guy with his pants down in the back of Teen Wolf originally. What? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Like at the, at the end of the movie of Teen Wolf. I've never seen that. There's like a scene where you see a bunch of people in the bleachers, and in the original movie, one of the extras like pulled their just pants mooned down. them. No. Oh. From the front. No. Oh God, why? Just like out for the world to see. Oh my God. Just in the background of this movie for years. What the hell? But yeah, no, like movie mistakes happen, and I like delight in them because I think you know it's just a reminder that it's uh, like people trying to. Right. You know, tell a story. And trying to exactly <laughs> trying match to do in their best. Um, and normally, normally, like we, the attention to detail in this movie is insane. But right. like, you know, things fall between the cracks, and it's kind of like, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as apparent if we were just watching the movie straight through. But like right here, it's no, very it's funny. Re- it's really quick. Yeah. It. I mean, the only thing that's apparent is he should have more webs on it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. And then Sam, when we see Sam, he just doesn't have like any. That's because he's a badass. Um, how did he? How did he get through there? Not I, get covered I in webs. I don't know. We're not even there yet. We're not even there. That's in like three weeks. Yeah. Like straight up. Um, do you Gollum's think... not covered in webs? Gollum is. Gollum didn't get caught. Yeah, but he still had to run around in there. Yeah. But like. Frodo, like, we saw Frodo get caught. Yeah. Naughty, naughty fly. Even with, like, okay. Why does he cry? Even with, um, like, regular spider webs. Like, not, like, giant mutant Maiar monster spider webs. Like, normal spider webs. Um, that stuff sticks to you forever. And it's disgusting. And I hate it. I hate the feel of spiders. So, like, Frodo needs more webs. Yeah. Do you think that like his cloak should have um resisted it? Oh, maybe. But real elven cloak. But there's like stuff stuck to his cape or his cloak. Yeah, there is. So 
I don't know. I mean, his sword gets stuck in it. Right? Just bobbing there. And he drops the vial. Yeah. To be fair, though, like, he's, like, he's, like, trying to struggle for his life. But, yeah. That's, I mean, that's this whole minute. There's not much to talk about here. Yeah. Just this yeah, just the... I do think that the range of emotions that they um, animated uh, for Gollum's or Smeagol's, I guess Smeagol's um, like face journey um, is really impressive, even still. Yeah, definitely. Like fifteen years over, fifteen years later. Like, yeah, Gollum is like really cool, and the effect is still really cool. Sometimes it doesn't hold up as well as others, but like in this moment specifically, I'm really impressed with how they animated his face. That's what I'm saying. Like the furrows in his brow. Yeah, and the lines. yeah. And like, because there is like a subtle, you see a subtle change in his expression. Like that to me is impressive. Yeah. I mean, Gollum is kind of an amazing feat. Yeah. Especially for 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's CG movies today that look worse than Gollum. Uh, the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, Azog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know we're gonna have to rewatch those, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like to we, talk about them, we gotta. Yeah, we're not doing it minute by minute. I think we should do it on. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. You can check out all the other podcasts on the website, movies by minute or otherwise. And if you want to lend us some support, you can support us by going to duelinggenre.com/support and giving us some of your money on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to Scott Pilgrim versus The Minute, uh, and then it steps up from there. Uh, and anything that comes into the site right now uh, is we're making donations to things for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep that in mind, too, when you think about where you want to put your money, because it's important and, uh, you know, Black Lives do matter. Mm-hmm. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye.